The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. But now it's time to touch base, uh, up our batting average, perhaps build some traction. <laughs> the language of the office, which would be very different from the language we use at home. And to talk about all of this is Gail Flanagan, linguist from the School of Modern Languages and Applied Linguistics at the University of Limerick. Gail, good morning. Good morning, Pat. So you'd be laughed at if you use the language of the office at home, would you not? Oh, you'd be laughed out of it. I can just imagine if I, if I was saying things like, yeah, I want to peel the onion and I wasn't actually in the kitchen peeling the onion. <laughs> but the phrases, these corporate phrases that have come into being, um, you know, they're, they're consultees or they're, they're corporate speak, but they are widely used. Um, I suppose it's really it's to do with the language of the office. And there is a la- it is a certain what we say in linguistics, a certain register of language that you use in the office, which, as you say, is different to what you would use at home. Now, you know, the way you can have uh, an accent in Cork, which is different to an accent in, in Donegal. Sure. Um, but it doesn't matter what accent you have. If you're using corporate speak, you're using the same expressions. Exactly. But it, it's just it's the code. It's the language code that we're using in the office um, and it's not it's broader than just this corporate speak so when we're in the office and we're talking it's you know the 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 lingo and the jargon that we're using it, you know if, like you talk about the running order of a radio programme or you could be talking about purchase orders and custom clearance and it's all very you know you have the specific technical language that you're using and then kind of the you have the fun bit and and what I have in my day because I have a professional background in the technology sector and we would have um, played what we call buzzword bingo now we had other names for it but we'll, <laughs> we'll call it buzzword bingo to literally pull out these corporate phrases. Probably you would hear more at larger strategic and planning meetings. But yeah, bit bit of fun in a way. Yeah. Um, So did you have this buzz when someone (laughs) used one of the phrases? Was that the way the game worked? Well, it's literally bingo. You could literally go, yeah, got it. And you kind of, you know, it'd be a nod and a wink if you weren't on video camera. And Um, once you start hearing these phrases, though, it's like when someone uses the term like all the time, uh, you keep on hearing it. So Absolutely. when you listen to conversations about business and someone says, well, uh, let's go for the low hanging fruit. Yes, I know. And that was- you kind of have, I have an aversion to that kind of thing. Uh, or this is the new normal. Yes, exactly. What? but even this is the new normal. That's more COVID speak in a way. And COVID, I'm not trying to hop out of the office into, but if you think about COVID and the pandemic and the time the amount of new language, and it's just because you had um, Dr. Luke O'Neill on, the amount of Professor Luke O'Neill, the amount of new language that has come out with COVID, and they just any group of people will develop a code, will develop language. Um, yeah, and it does. Another type of this kind of the buzzwords that we used to hear, <clears throat> excuse me, the company that I worked in, we would have um, financial closes, and they talked about landing the plane. And yeah. they also had war room. You know, I, it was very I, I, aviation, maybe because I suppose it was so strategic, you know, if you could think back to last century. But it's interesting just where the language comes from as well. I've, I've heard that expression used about people giving a speech at a wedding. Yes. And they're muttering, it's time to land the plane. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the speech is interminable. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's bringing a, an office term into a, a private life. Yeah. But mostly, as you say, you would be laughed out of it if you started to use that language at home. However, does the language of the office allow you to say things in office language that 
you'd find difficult to say in normal language. Oh, that's, you know, if someone's yeah. not performing well, and you use a way of, you know, we're we're going to have to adjust the metric or whatever you might use, which is really saying to someone, you're not performing very exactly. well. Exactly, you need to pull up your so- and <clears throat> that's exactly it. You wouldn't say, oh, you need to pull up your socks, but you could say, yeah, well, look, we need to look for, you know, maybe more again in a, a sales or planning meeting, like a win-win situation, or we, yeah, we need to adjust here. You know, you can, yeah, that that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, um, uh, mm-hmm. Some of my listeners suggest that I, you know, say, let's unpack this. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I, I must say unpack and we use it, we use it. And well, OK, let's yeah. think outside the box then. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's look at the big picture. <laughs> uh, one of the companies uh, in uh, the, who operated this jurisdiction, but also our big uh, international company, they refer to people who are being fired as graduating from their company. Oh, no, I hate that type of talk. And recently in the media, no company names. We There have been a lot of redundancies and just some of the communication. Some companies have done it far better than others. But graduating, I think when you're using language, that, that's like, you know, adversive in a way because you're using language to hide what you're really saying or you're trying to put a positive spin on it. I mean, to turn this upside down, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's a song uh, that was around years ago mm-hmm. called You Always Hurt the One You Love, the yeah. one you couldn't hurt at all because you'll say things to people that you're intimate with that you would never say to maybe friends outside the home. Yes. You know, the people you're intimate with, uh, you can say things. Um, you might look at one of your siblings and, you know, say, you greedy so-and-so, you took all the cake. Exactly. and that's But a, you yeah. wouldn't say that in the office if someone took the last biscuit off no. the, the plate. No, you might say something far more indirect, which would be, oh, <clears throat> you know, is there any biscuits left? Or, Are there no biscuits or, left? Exactly. Just something. <laughs> exactly. But you don't even, you know, you don't even look at the person. And that's all to do with politeness. And I suppose when you're direct in your conversation, so within the boundaries of family, and as you and, and we call it intimate discourse, um, that's exact. That's exactly it. You and you, you know, you're free to say, oh, look at you. You know, you'll get fat if you eat all the biscuits. In fact, that's we have a, a good database of language down in the University of Limerick, and that's one of the quotes from it. Um, whereas in in the the office, you're going to couch it a lot. Um, you're going to be a lot softer in what you say. Mm. Even if you have to give somebody, tell somebody what to do now, or give out to somebody. One of the things that you might find on LinkedIn yes. is someone thanking the company that have just fired them. Explain. Yes, well, but they have to be seen to be positive, don't they? Because the person is now out on the market. So they're not going to come out and give out about the company that's just fired them. They're like, well, look at all the opportunities and everything that I've I've gained from this and I'm moving on. Um, yeah, and LinkedIn is interesting because LinkedIn, even if you want to comment, say, on that post, it's got prescribed phrases you can use. You really? Know, yeah, yeah, it has. Um, like you could say, you know, good. Jo- now, some of it obviously is positive, but like they'll say, I'm happy to share I'm in a new position. That's prescribed speech. You kind of click, I want to tell somebody I've got a new job or, or it actually prompts you to do it. And then people can reply. They don't even have to think. They don't have to have engaging conversation. It could be good job or um, great news or, you know, awesome. These are automatic phrases yeah. that are prompted for you. I presume it's because we live in the multinational world um, that this corporate speak is spread it's an international language. I mean, English is the international language mm-hmm. of, of business in this part of the world and in many other parts of the world. Um, but there are many nationalities 
who are using English. So maybe this new uh, office language allows people to communicate who might not have subtlety. It does. And to be honest, I'm, I'm part of my research is looking at international English and looking at English as a lingua franca as opposed to, you know, making sure you get your grammar correct. And it does. It's allowing people. And that's what it's all about. Conversation connects. Communication connects. What about people who start every sentence with the word so? Everybody has their hooks. Um, so is one of them. Um, and once you hear yourself saying it, you'll be like, it's just it's you're announcing that you're starting the conversation. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's what an individual will use. So and then off we go. Um, it, people never use the word are anymore. Every plural is now preceded by the word is. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and that is very much the person. The politicians is very stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, oh, I remember my mother used to say Mrs. Dusby and all her little doobies. <laughs> and it's, that's very much the prescriptive grammar. Does it matter in spoken conversation if we say is or are? If we're communicating and we're in an international group of people, though you'll find that the gra- they will have learned English and their grammar will actually be very good. Um, but yeah, so... Mm. Is it, you know, every generation says, oh, God, you know, the the young generation, they don't speak properly anymore. It's all text speak. It's all. But they're communicating and they're communicating very well. Do you have a view on Hiberno English? Because often people, when they meet Irish people and someone says, uh, I'm after coming out of the pub. Yeah. Or I'm after, I'm after winning. The, yeah, I'm, I'm after, after winning, winning the national. I always remember um, the jockey Kate, when she won the you know the national, and the Guardian corrected. They actually put in a verb. They put they put in I'm after I'm tired or something after winning the national. So they didn't. They reckon, didn't understand. No, they did not recognise it's Irish. Exactly, and isn't that fascinating? That's what we love as linguists. We love varieties of English and Hiberno English or Irish English. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by it. But nothing we can do about the language of the office. I no, I think it will continue to evolve and it does and words are being created every day and we'll continue to have our buzzwords and sure it's a win-win situation for all of yeah. us. Let's zoom that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> zoom is like Hoover, isn't it? It's, exactly. Yeah. It's it's come into being. Gail Flanagan, linguist from the School of Modern Languages and Applied Linguistics at the University of Limerick. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.